uh, welcome to our service, whether you be here or at home, and uh, whenever or wherever you are watching the service, should you be using the YouTube service. Uh, we're very pleased today to welcome the Reverend Keith Burton to lead our service, and uh, over to you. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. Nice to see you, to see you a muffled nice in response. Last week, of course, the service was taken by our new minister, Wendy. This week, you've got a very old one, me. But this is brand new for me. At times, I have perhaps felt out of my depth. But now, we are in a stream, being streamed. Today, in our reading, we will hear and ponder one of those provocative parables told by Jesus. We sometimes overlook how challenging the parables were to the hearers then. The prodigal son, who still sides with the elder brother? The good Samaritan. Good Samaritan? So we will find when we get to the labourers in the vineyard, a challenge. Our prayers will be on the screen. And will you please make a muffled response? So let us pray. O oh Lord, open our lips and we shall praise your name. God is our refuge and our stronghold, a timely help in trouble. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and shall be forever. Amen. Then we continue to confess our sins as we say, Most merciful God, we confess to you before the whole company of heaven that we have sinned in thought, word and deed, and what we have failed to do. Forgive us our sins, heal us by your Spirit, and raise us to new life in Christ. Amen. And then we hear the assurance of God's mercy. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and will forgive our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Thanks be to God. Come, let us sing to the Lord and rejoice in the rock our Saviour. Let us come and give... <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> let us come and give thanks in his presence and greet him with songs of praise. The Lord is a great God, a King supreme over all. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain heights are his. The sea is his, he made it, and the dry land was formed by his hands. Come, let us kneel and adore. Let us worship the Lord our Maker. He is our God, and we are his people, the flock he leads with his hand. Glory to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forever. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord our God, giver of life, 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, at the opening of this day, you call us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Blessed are you forever and ever. Amen. And then we say together those words from Psalm 63. O oh God, you are my God. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands and call on your name. Amen. Before we have our New Testament reading, I just want to say by way of introduction, but, but I thought it was a protest meeting for a minute. There are many other themes that are similar to the story that we're about to hear in the Jewish wisdom tradition, especially in what's called a second temple, first century Israel or Palestine at the time. And Jesus may well have known most of these, if not all of them. There is a story told of a king who had a, an industrious servant who was his favorite. This servant was very proficient in the orchard and in the fields. He would get there early, he would work for two hours, and then the king would come each day and they would walk together around the estate, talking about this and that and the other, whilst the rest of the labor force got on with the work of the, of the field. Come, and of course in those days, and we will see it in a moment in our New Testament lesson, at the end of the day when it's time to pack up and go home, they all line up to be paid. This favorite uh, industrious worker of the king was paid the same amount as the others who'd worked all day. And of course they grumbled and complained. He's only done two hours. The rest of the time he's been strolling around with you, looking at this, chatting about that. We've borne all the burden of the day. And he's paid the same as we are. The king replied, in the two hours, he does more than any of you lot. And so he's deserved it. And besides, not that Jesus would say he has favorites, but this man obviously had a real rapport with his employer. There's a similar story in the Midrash, getting technical, the Midrash is part of the Hebrew Bible, but it's more like an annotated copy of our Old Testament, various Scribes, rabbis, scholars throughout the centuries have penciled in their remarks and comments and these are all then read as part 
of what is in the Midrash. There is in there, in the Psalms of Solomon, a note which says that Solomon generously paid a full day's wage to all the lazy workers. All this may well have influenced both Jesus in the way he told his story and, of course, the evangelist who we call Matthew in the way he has recorded and presented what we will now hear from Patricia, please, and listen out, obviously, throughout, but especially make a note of the end. Patricia, I'm sorry to have delayed you. Matthew 20, verses 1 to 16. The laborers in the vineyard. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into the vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock he went out and found others standing around and said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Amen. We shall come back to the end later. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. It is possible that the last mentioned are those who come like us latterly. And the first, of course, were the original disciples because chapter 20, would you believe, follows chapter 19 in Matthew. But if you'd have looked in chapter 19, you would have seen there the story of the rich man who went sadly away because he couldn't pay the price of following Jesus. And then the disciples say to Jesus, what about us? We've left everything to come with you. And there's no answer in chapter 19, but chapter 20 gives us the story that we've just heard. And the punchline at the end is, the first shall be last. The disciples, the apostles, last in line. The first, possibly say, the dying thief, thief as recorded in Luke. 
So, we have a challenging, provocative story. A story about a generous landowner and grumbling workers. Would you mind if we had not a paper vote, a show of hands? Would you please raise your hands if you think that the way the workers who worked all day were treated was just? Was it just? If you think it was just, will you just show so, please? One, two, three, four, five, six. I've got a lot of work to do to convince you that this is a just, generous landowner. What is the story about? It's about a generous landowner and grumbling workers. The story shows God's nature and character in terms of money, work, management, and especially in the character and attitude and behavior of the landowner. For a brief moment, in what's called literary criticism, which is one aspect of scholarship, emphasis is placed upon the position in the overall text of each of the units of tradition. And as I've already said, this parable in the beginning of chapter 20, and do remember that in the original Gospels there was no chapters and there were no verses, although they came much, much later. So that what is separated now by a heading chapter 20 and perhaps something about the labourers in the vineyard, it, the text originally would have just have run straight on. So that it is possible that this is answering the question of Peter and the disciples, what about us? Where are we going to fit in? So, firstly, the landowner, of course, is God who treats all the same. And that's exactly the complaint of the grumblers. The grumblers who'd got there early, I don't know what time, I was up at half past six this morning doing the ironing, how's that? That must put me well ahead in the, in the work estates. I, I don't know what time you get up, but we have to assume that there, in harvest time, they were out early, so they were there early. We don't know exactly what time. But they were there all day in the heat and working. There's no suggestion they were lazy, they were working. But their complaint is that this guy, these guys who rolled in at five o'clock for the last hour, you've paid them the same. That's not fair. We've done it all. That is their complaint. But we have to see through the landowner who is very much hands-on management. You, you will have heard that he's there every three hours on the clock. So we assume he starts at six, he's there at nine, he's there at midday, he's there at three, and then he pops back at five and has the nerve to say to these people, what are you doing standing, hanging about here? Go in there, and the day's wage, which was probably a denarius, which was the agreed day's pay for labor, 
That's exactly what they all received. So there is no question that those who had worked all day were paid the contract sum. There's no way you could take them to an employment tribunal. You'd agreed to work all day, you've worked all day, here is the rate that we agreed. And then it goes on, of course, do, and we shall come back to this in a few minutes, do you begrudge me what I do with mine? What's mine is mine. And we could go into that in a moment also. So this is not an absentee landowner. And we know now that there were many absentee landowners because there had been a process of buying up individual plots by a few wealthy people who controlled almost all of the agricultural land and most of the rural population in the villages then were semi-slaves. They were bound to whoever was in charge and they needed to work there in order to keep their families alive. And that's the background to this story. Secondly, this could be seen as an allegory. Some work the full shift, others only work the last hour, but all receive the same. Now, there's an esteemed commentator. I haven't read him recently, but Jeremias writes about this act. It is not limitless generosity, but enough to sustain life, and all, is, all are given this. They're all given enough so that when they go home and face the wife and family, there will be food on the table, but there won't be dessert, probably, and there won't be enough for tomorrow. They've got to come back again and work again the next day. It's not limitless generosity, but it is generosity nevertheless. And this is presented as God's grace. All are treated the same and all get the same. I've already mentioned the dying thief. We know nothing at all about his background. All we know, he's being condemned to the same death as Jesus, but he looks to Jesus with different eyes to the other thief. And he receives the promise, of course, today, with me. Okay. We, some of us, started very young in our Christian life. Very young, some of us, almost from the cradle wall. And we naturally assume, therefore, that we must know a bit about God, and we must know a bit about religion, and God must know a bit about us. And others who come in at the last moment count for exactly the same. This radical new community that's called the church, where all the previous, what Dominic Crossan calls the normalcy of civilization, none of that applies. It's left outside. The normalcy of civilization does not determine how we function in here. Oh, we, we have to toe the line, we sit at distance and we wear masks, etc. But we are part of a radical new community 
taking on the generosity of the grace of God. Let us also, just for a moment, use our imagination. How were the workers chosen at the start? Was it those who had got up early and were keen? They were first in. Did they pick the strongest, the quickest? There can be no question that there was favoritism, can there? Because this landowner is representing God. But you can play with your imagination. Some of the workers are bound to arrive at the last minute. Some of them probably didn't really want to do much, but, but the needs must, should we say. It was a serious situation each day for these people. They were, as it were, without the benefit of food bank. If they didn't get work, if they didn't get pay, then they would go hungry. So the keen ones would be there. But I come back again to this staggering conclusion. Grumble what you may, at the end, all receive the same. And we identify with those who have grumbled, I'm sure. And we sympathize because we feel they ought to have had a bonus. But they got what they bargained for. The owner challenges them and challenges us. Are you envious? Are you jealous? Are you resentful? There is this mystery of the gracious, generous God. Now, don't get me wrong. You mustn't take this too literally. This is not how labor relations and pay scales will be worked out. This is describing life in the kingdom. This is describing life in the radical new community that Jesus is establishing with the disciples, where all are treated equally and where all are glad to work in the vineyard. And of course, the very term vineyard will remind all you Old Testament scholars that this is an ongoing description of Israel itself. Are we envious at times? Are we jealous or resentful? But the end of the story, the landowner says to them, what's mine? I will choose how I use it. Do you begrudge me that? Of course not. There are four, in, in this same stream of Jewish wisdom, there's a description that the rabbis frequently used of four characters of people. And it sounds more like a bit of Yorkshire. Firstly, he who says what is mine is mine and what is thine is thine, this is the average type. He who says what is mine is thine and what is thine is thine, I'm sorry, he who says what is mine is thine and what is thine is mine, he's ignorant. He's got everything back to front. He who says, what is mine is thine, and what is thine is thine, he's a saint. And of course, that's describing the generous landowner. He who says, what is thine is mine, and what is mine is mine, he's a crook and wicked. We are encouraged in the parable to follow the example of the generous landowner. 
And right at the end, in, in what used to be called the authorised version, you will find there a reference to evil eye. And the evil eye wasn't somebody who got an optician, who needed to see an optician or an ophthalmologist or somebody. The evil eye was translated as parsimonious illiberality. Now, I have to pause to say that carefully. Parsimonious illi illiberality. Scrooge-like. That mean, nasty, grasping, keeping, hoarding, holding. This was termed the evil eye. And to use that to somebody was both an insult and shameful. It was shameful that someone would think you were like that. But the landowner says, he's got a good eye. He's a generous eye. And it's the grumblers who have this evil eye. I think we have to stop soon. Would you like to raise your hands if you would like to change your vote and say that it is just the way they were paid? Anybody? Have I converted anybody? Or are you all still thinking, never mind what you say and all that stuff, I just feel, because it does sound on the face of it, it sounds unfair. But it's perfectly fair. They got what they bargained for and signed up. Now that would be terrible if we only got what we'd signed up for, what we were entitled to, what we had bargained for. The graciousness of the God and Father who we meet in the stories of Jesus takes us much further than that. Amen. We come now to our final prayers. Let us pray for our prayers of intercession and we will use the traditional versicle and response of Lord in your mercy, hear our prayer. So let us offer our prayer with all God's people through Jesus Christ our Lord, whoever lives to pray for us. Firstly, we pray for the needs of the world. We pray for the continuing threat of COVID and the pandemic here and throughout the world. We pray for the work and staff of Sirencester Hospital and Linda the Matron, and for all who throughout the world are at this moment working for healing, health, and recovery. We pray that they may have strength, skill, and compassion. We pray for those seeking a vaccine. We pray for our Prime Minister and all in Cabinet and Government, for all in leadership and governments throughout the world, that they may have strength of mind, compassion of heart, courage and wisdom in the decisions and actions that they must take. Tomorrow is United Nations Day, and today is the World Council of Churches Day of Prayer for Peace. 
So as well as the threat of COVID, we pray for peace in place of violence and conflict. So we pause for our own particular personal prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the whole church. We pray for Wendy, our minister here, and at South Cerny and Fairford. We pray with and for the other churches in Sirencester, and for that great worldwide community, this radical new community. We pray for all in authority and leadership in ministry at this time. Support them and us with your inner dwelling of your Holy Spirit to sustain, to guide, to lead, to encourage, to cheer. So again, we pause to make our own prayers for Ashcroft, for the circuit, for our place in the church. We pray for all in trouble, anxiety and distress, for all who mourn and grieve, for all who are depressed without hope or encouragement, for all who are suffering physically, pain and disability, for those who suffer emotionally and mentally, and spiritually. God, this is a hurting world. We pray for all who seek to alleviate that hurt, to bring wholeness and care and compassion, truth. So again, we pause for prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all who will make a new beginning this day. We pray for those who will shortly or have already started and resumed their studies at colleges and universities. We pray for the Royal Agricultural University and its Vice-Chancellor, Joe, and the chaplains there, and all such places of learning for all staff. We pray for those who have gone off for their first time, for those who are returning to resume their studies. We pray for all who are threatened or called to return to work from home working. We pause for personal prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And finally, we pray for a young man that you will not know, Theo Dearsley, the latest grandchild of Sue and Mike, 
recently born one week ago, but with great difficulties following that birth, but now home. So we pray for David and Anthea, Theo's parents, for Sue and Mike. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of compassion and mercy, listen to our prayer. May what we ask in Jesus Christ, your Son, be done according to his word who said, Ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. To you, merciful God, through your Son, in the life-giving Spirit, be glory and praise forever. Amen. We say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Lord our God, as with all creation, we offer you the life of this new day. Give us grace to love and serve you, to the praise of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. We share in the grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you to Anton and Andy and Steve for all that you have done to enable us to meet to worship this morning. Amen. in that uh, if you don't quite catch the sermon the first time round, you can, of course, view it again and uh, find out all the finer details. Next week, uh, Ros Burnip will be preaching, so uh, a reminder that people need to book if they are wishing to come into church. Uh, there are obviously limited numbers, and we have to adjust the seating, so it's essential you book. Otherwise, uh, we hope other people will carry on viewing us at home as they have done this week.